This is the Feminem Podcast, the official podcast of Feminem, discussing all things fem, a little bit of EM, and everything in between. I'm Jenny Beck Esme, editor in chief of Feminem. Again, I have to say a huge thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone in our community out there doing all this important work right now. It's an intense time to be an emergency physician and to be living in the world. And I wanted to let you know that at Feminem, we appreciate you and we thank you for everything you are doing. I want to keep going now with some excellent Fix 19 content. This is a great talk from Dr. Kelly Quinley. It's called Her Story in the Making, a call to action for improving emergency miscarriage care. Dr. Quinley is an emergency physician in Oakland, California, and she's dedicating to improving women's health care treatment in our emergency settings and is the emergency medicine voice on TEAM, T-E-A-M-M, which is a group of women's health and emergency medicine professionals who aim to improve the care of patients with miscarriage. She tells her story in this excellent Fix 19 talk. I hope you enjoy. I want you all to imagine that you are pregnant or your partner is pregnant. And it's 11 p.m., you're at home, and you start bleeding. You're worried, you're scared, you don't know what's going on with your pregnancy, and your doctor's office is closed. Where else are you supposed to go besides the emergency department? So whether we like it or not, whether we think that our patients with miscarriage are best served by being treated in an emergency department or a different clinical setting. These patients come to us at all hours of the day. They're frightened, they're looking for help, they're looking for answers. And in a field like emergency medicine, where so many of us are eager to learn skills that traditionally have been the purview of a specialty, like ultrasound, you know, peripheral nerve blocks, Reboa, why is it that we continue to shrug off or hesitate making more investment with our patients who are presenting with miscarriage. So I'm talking specifically about first trimester pregnancy loss or uh, early pregnancy loss, first trimester miscarriage. And again, these patients come to us and we are in charge of their care. In most emergency departments, these patients don't magically disappear and are, they're not whisked off to the L&D labor and delivery floor, their, play, their care normally takes place from start to finish within the walls of the emergency department. Whether you know, they get an in-person OB-GYN consult, maybe one over the phone, or maybe no consult. We are commonly asked to prescribe medications for them or to prepare them for surgical procedures that may take place in the ED while they're under our care. We are on the front lines, and these are our patients. So not everyone in emergency medicine is convinced that the management of care for a patient with miscarriage is the responsibility of the emergency, emergency medicine physician or provider. And maybe these people aren't to blame. The American College of Emergency Physicians clinical policy on first trimester pregnancy consists of the recognition and the diagnosis of ectopic pregnancy without addressing miscarriage. And traditionally, comprehensive miscarriage care has not been well integrated into the training curriculum of the emergency medicine resident. So I think many emergency physicians will see the patient, rule out an ectopic pregnancy, and then quickly call the OB-GYN specialist 
without further investment in addressing the miscarriage. Now, I want to quickly say that in this talk, I use traditional gender pronouns, she and her, but I really want to be inclusive of all pregnancy-capable people, whether they identify as transgender, gender non-binary, or female as well. All right, so some quick miscarriage facts, and Aisha and John covered some of this yesterday, so thank you for your talk. One quarter of women will have at least one miscarriage, if not more, in their lifetime. Sitting, I'm looking at a sea of women right here. It's very common for us, okay. 20% of all clinically recognized pregnancies will end in miscarriage, and this is an underestimation because this doesn't include the number of conceptions that then are lost before a woman realizes that she's pregnant. Very common. This leads to one million cases of miscarriage in the United States every year, and half a million emergency medicine visits um, these patients come to us. So this is almost offensive, this slide. Miscarriage is so much more than frustrating. For many women and many partners, many families, it's devastating. We know from studies that women report that when they come to the ED with miscarriage, they are frustrated by a perceived negative attitude from their care providers. Perceived negative attitude from us. And also, they're frustrated by the fact that we are not attuned to the magnitude of their loss. So this in a field where I think many of us take pride in the care and attention we give when we are disclosing horrible news to families, we're telling people they have cancer, we are telling a family member that their loved one has died. But we're not doing the same thing or giving the same attention to our patients who are suffering real loss in the emergency department as well. Finally, we know from studies that patients with miscarriage in the ED do not feel like they are provided with enough information about miscarriage. So I have spent the last eight years thinking about and researching miscarriage care in the ED. And for the last two years, I have been lucky enough to volunteer as the emergency medicine voice and perspective for this team group out of, it's a project out of the OB-GYN department at the University of Washington. And we travel to academic hospitals, community hospitals, and we bring the emergency medicine and OB-GYN departments together and we bring them up to date on standards of, of care for miscarriage care. And specifically, we help to integrate the option for bedside uterine aspiration in the ED for the appropriate patient that maybe is bleeding too heavily to be safely discharged home to follow up with her doctor. But first, usually our biggest challenge is simply convincing emergency medicine providers that miscarriage is important and that we in the ED need to care about it more. So I want to, sorry, I apologize for the medical slide. This is from the New England Journal of Medicine. I think we need to talk about the fact that when there's very high stakes when we talk about obstetrical emergencies. And so we need to talk about how we diagnose miscarriage in the first place because I think many emergency providers might be uncomfortable with how we can be sure that when we see a patient and we're telling her her pregnancy has failed that we know what we're talking about. So in 2012, the Society of Radiologists got together and there was a consensus conference on diagnosing first trimester miscarriage. And within the pink box, they published their two single criteria that you can use to say with 100% specificity for ruling in a failed pregnancy with a single bedside ultrasound that the patient you see has had a failed pregnancy. So if you are facile at ultrasound, you can do this. Maybe it's three in the morning and you don't have formal ultrasound available to you, but if you feel comfortable with your ultrasound skills, these are the same criteria that the radiologists use when you get that ultrasound read that says failed pregnancy, not maybe failed pregnancy. So how is miscarriage treated? 
There's three treatment options. The first is expected management. So if your patient so desires, you can do nothing. You can send her home, let her know that she's gonna pass her products of conception at home, she's gonna have bleeding and cramping, and this is totally acceptable if that's what the patient would, would want. And the efficacy is about 20% 20, 20 of patients will need a dose of medication or a procedure later, but it's 80% effective. Second uh, treatment option is medical management. So we commonly, women will be prescribed usually mesoprostol, so a uterine, uter, uterotonic excuse me, medication to help the uterus contract and expel the products of conception. Um, and we know from a recent study that adding mifepristone, which is a progesterone antagonist, can increase the efficacy of this regimen. Um, and these women will have bleeding and cramping too when they go home, but this is also one way we treat miscarriage. And finally, surgical management. And I'm gonna spend a little more time on surgical management. So historically, patients who were bleeding too, bleeding too briskly to go home were admitted to the hospital, went to the OR, underwent general anesthesia, and had a DNC or a uh, uterine evacuation with an electrical vacuum, and then a sharp curette was used to, with friction, remove the remaining products of conception. Today, across the US, more and more hospitals are taking a common outpatient procedure, which is manual uterine aspiration, and just moving it and making it available in emergency departments for bedside uterine aspiration before a patient goes home. This does not involve conscious sedation. It is not necessary. It is very common and very safe. Okay, so a little more about uterine aspiration. How does it work? So you'll see in this picture, so the uterine aspiration device is essentially a large handheld syringe. A provider will place a speculum, perform a, a paracervical block, so injecting lidocaine around the cervix, insert a flexible plastic cannula through the os into the uterus, and with gentle suction, remove the products of conception. Very safe, and again, an outpatient procedure. This is not new science. This is something that's been going on for a long time. And I do think it's worth mentioning that yes, this is, uh, there is a proximity, it's a similar procedure for an abortion, a termination of a live pregnancy, but here the indication is very different. We are talking about taking care of patients who have a failed pregnancy and a miscarriage only. And the benefits of MUA are many. Besides being simple, it's very safe. The complication rate is anywhere from zero to 0.11%, with the most frequent complication being incomplete removal of products of conception. Now we commonly hear, oh my gosh, what about uterine perforation? Exceedingly rare, nothing sharp is entering the uterus. Okay, so very safe procedure. We are much more comfortable with many procedures in the ED that have much higher risk profiles. It's fast in the outpatient world. It's clocked at anywhere from 10 to 19 minutes from start to finish. It's efficacious, over 99% effective, so most women will not need to come back to the ED or they will not need you know, medications or another aspiration by their OB-GYN provider. And it's cost-sparing. So the aspirator itself costs about $65. Women don't have to be admitted. There's no OR cost. Um, and there was one study that looked at moving uterine aspiration from an operating room to either the L&D floor or the emergency department, and they reduced costs sevenfold with the same outcomes. Again, this is common, and as I mentioned, we can reduce hospital admissions and the use of OR resources, and you can actually improve ED flow um, in your emergency department. So women aren't sitting in a bed waiting for an OR to open up at three in the morning. That same study that looked at moving uterine aspiration from the OR to the LND floor or the ED found a 68% reduction in ED boarding times for these patients, so they're able to go home sooner and be with their families.
So if you aren't paying attention to miscarriage yet, you should, because we as emergency providers can only expect to take care of more patients with miscarriage. Why is that? Urine pregnancy tests that are over the counter are becoming more sensitive, so more women know that they're pregnant sooner. And as you can see from this chart from a, recently, uh, a recent New York Times article, so the x-axis from these charts is age, the pink lines vertical are age 24, and from 1980 to 2016, we are seeing the average age of maternity in the United States increase. But with increasing maternal age, uh, the risk of miscarriage increases as well. So I think it's time for a culture change. It's time for us in the ED to dive in a little more, care a little more, and provide more uh, and better patient-centered care for our patients with miscarriage. And everyone in this room is capable of initiating that change. So I'm gonna outline how. So this is an interdisciplinary care model, right? We work together with our OB-GYN physicians to take good care of these patients. Uh, so the first thing you need to do is identify departmental champions. A physician in the OB-GYN department and the emergency medicine department, we've seen this be residents too, uh, not just attendings, that are going to invest in making sure that these changes happen. Finally, the most important person on this team is identifying an emergency medicine nurse that is also invested in making this happen. So as I'm sure many of you have seen, if you try to affect change in the emergency department without your nurses on board, good luck to you if you make it out alive, right? Or if you make the change happen at all. And we know that we leave the room, but the nurses are left in the room and they get all the difficult questions. Is this my fault? Will I ever be able to get pregnant again? What's my chance of having another miscarriage? When can I have intercourse? What happens to the products of conception? Right? Real questions that our nurses get asked. So they need to be well-versed and invested in taking good care of these patients as well. Next step, make a protocol for MUA and the ED. Don't start from scratch. Ask your OB-GYN department. They likely have a protocol for outpatient use already, and you can adopt that, uh, adapt that for the emergency department, or you can email me and I will send you some examples. Third, this is probably the most difficult thing to do, but physically bring together in the same space your emergency medicine providers and your OB-GYN providers, right, for maybe one of your departmental meetings. I would ask your OB champion if they'll come and give a lecture on ep epidemiology and etiology of miscarriage, then you can talk about treatment options and specifically do a simulation to show how a manual uterine aspirator works to demystify the procedure and show people that it's not scary, it's not dangerous. And additionally, you can allow then those two departments to air their grievances, their hesitations, what obstacles they think they may face when they're integrating the option for MUA at the bedside and the ED for these patients. Fourth, I would hold a separate specific nursing session in a place where they feel sp uh, space where they feel safe to air their hesitations as well and any obstacles that they see. And finally, get your departmental leadership together and define the next steps for rollout. So I hope you've first been a little more convinced, if you weren't already, that miscarriage is emergency medicine. And second of all, I really hope that you've been inspired to participate in a culture change around uh, miscarriage and ED and to make the world slightly better before you move on to your next patient. Thank you so much for listening.